How's it going, everyone? Well, the Super Bowl is quickly approaching, and we've seen what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl game, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you've got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the players than any other sportsbook around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposits halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is enter our promo code THPN to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code THPN to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 38 of a Clean Skate podcast. My name is Michael, and this wonderful podcast is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And so we had a couple games this past week. Uh, I'm excited to tell you guys before we get into all that, that we have a guest on this one. We have Andy Hammond from the Broadway Boys podcast on a little later. So stay tuned for that. Um, I had a great time talking to him, so I'm not going to give away much. Well, we played a back-to-back here versus both New York teams, which is one of the reasons why I had him on this week's episode. And uh, basically, exactly happened uh, what I expected to happen. You guys will remember from last episode that I said that I suspected the, you know, the Rangers would be a bit of an easier game for the Stars, and then they would have a much more difficult time against the Islanders. I would have liked to see a four points, but I didn't think it was too uh, too far out of the picture of them walking away with just two out of the possible four here. So let's talk about the games then. Uh, we'll start off with the obvious uh, earlier one. The Rangers were the first one up on the docket Stars. In the Big Apple, we have Lundquist versus Hudobin. Lundquist has come back. I believe he's coming back from uh, his first shutout in the last two years here. Um, and this was probably the first time the Stars have iced a complete lineup. And l- let me explain what I mean here. We had Roman Polak was not in the lineup for this game. Thank God. Polak was not in the lineup. And any night that Roman Polak is not in the lineup, your team is significantly better. We have Steven Johns in the lineup. His parents are in town uh, to watch him play here. He's, uh, you know, he he started to get real good there, and then injuries have really set him back these last couple seasons. So really good to see him, 
you know, back out there on the ice. His parents are in town. And, you know, it's it's a good little moment. So Polak's out. Hints is back. You know, he's day-to-day there. He's in. Klingberg's in. You know, I didn't... Di- I didn't necessarily agree with maybe sort of the line placements there. I, I feel like some of the lines could have been better. Bishop's not in net, but our goaltending is going to be outstanding no matter what. So I thought that this was probably the best Stars lineup that has been iced uh, since like the whole season because they didn't have Johns in at the beginning of the season. Polak was in that first game of the season. So I think this is probably the best Stars lineup. And I, I felt a little sorry for the Rangers having to, you know, take on uh, this, you know, finally optimized stars lineup and uh then it sort of jumps out to the exact opposite of how i expected pavel bushnevich scores his 10th of the season on the power play just 229 into the first period he enters the zone with speed and then he just sort of throws a shot on net uh hudobin was cheating thinking he was going to pass and the puck ends up going through hudobin definitely a goal hudobin is going to want back and now the stars are behind the eight ball down one nothing but fortunately, five about five minutes later, Joe Pavelski scores his tenth on the power play. Uh, so I, you know, I was just you know complaining about Pavelski in the last episode, and then you know he comes out and scores the you know the last game's overtime winner, and now he scores to tie the game up on the power play. This is the first power play goal in their last five games. They went zero for fourteen on the power play in the last five. So we finally broke the power play curse there. I do not know what was going on with it, but we get on the board. It's a, you know, it's a clean face-off win for Dallas. It's, you know, then that D-to-D one-timer that is actually off the post. The puck is in recovered, shot back up to the point. Point shot from Klingberg, you know, is shot on net. Pavelski redirects it five-hole pass Lundquist. The play would go under review to see if the puck went out of play. The uh, Rangers actually challenged this play. The refs decided that the puck, you know, hit the glass and remained in play. And so then the Rangers were then assessed a two-minute delay of game penalty. And the Stars went back onto the power play. And of course, 16 seconds later, Joe Pavelski again, his 11th now, again on the power play. It's It's actually an unforced turnover in the Rangers zone. It's a pass to the defender who bobbles it. He throws it around the boards, misses the defender again. It... Comes to the Stars player, throws it to Ben, who's below the goal line. He throws out front, one-timer by Pavelski, and boom, the Stars are up just like that within 16 seconds. And then all the damage is being done in the power play here in this first period. Uh, the Rangers tie it up. Brett Howden scores his seventh on the power play, um, and the, the play is actually called off. It's a good shot from Capo Caco on the right side of the ice. The puck flips up right up into the air, sort of right above Howden sort of gloves it, and then it comes down. He manages to just get his stick on it before it crosses the line, so it is a legal goal. Therefore, he scores his seventh of the season to tie the game at two at the end of the first period. It was a wild first period, not at all what I expected from the Stars against the Rangers here. The Rangers were actually out shooting the Stars 13-7 to after the first. And then we sort of see the veteran you know, uh, mentality, the, the seasoned veteran uh, mentality of the stars come out here in the second period. Lundquist absolutely robs Sagan on a two-on-one with Rupe Hints. Hints just a beautiful saucer pass over. Lundquist gets across and gets it with his pad. Sagan can't elevate it. But then Steven Johns scores his first of the season, 752 into the second period. This was a huge, huge goal. You can even see after he skates by the bench and gives everyone high fives. 
he points to his family in the stands. This is his first goal in almost two years. No one deserved it more. And then, you know, he had a two-point game in this one. I think that, you know, if he can really push Polak out of the lineup, like I said, this is our optimum lineup. If Steven Johnson can get back to, you know, where he was maybe two years ago, I think that this is, you know, the defense looks even stronger than it already did going into this season. It's, you know, Dickens cycles it from low to high. And we've always known that Johns has that bomb. He claps a one-timer, Lundquist can't see it, and he scores. And then, you know, about with 8.03 remaining in the second period, Blake Como, this third line of Dickinson, Como, and Cogliano have had a couple really, really good games. Blake Como scores his seventh of the season. It's a puck chipped out of the zone by Sagan. It flips up over the Rangers defender, lands to Como, who comes in. Stephen Johns actually joins the rush, which manages to pull away some of the back-checking pressure off of Como, and he manages to shoot on his off-wing, far side, bar in, absolutely pings it off the post. The lovely sound you love to hear past Lundquist. Guryanov would then be stopped on a breakaway, and Radulov would hit a post on a five-on-three, but the Stars take their two-goal lead, four to two, into the second intermission. The Rangers are still out shooting the Stars, 21 to 15 at the end of two, but it's a lot of perimeter shots. We're really closing down the center of the ice there. Then we come out into the third period, exactly where we left off, just 522 in the third period. Corey Perry gets off the schneid. He scores his fourth goal of the season. It's, again, another low high, D to D. Then Sekera shot on net, saved by Georgiev, who has now replaced Lundqvist in net. And it comes right to the on-waiting Perry, who smashes it home to give the Stars a three goal lead. The Rangers then would eventually score another power play goal, all three of their goals this game coming on the power play, with just 6.43 left in the third period. Lemieux would score. It's a clean face-off win, you know, then a shot on net and tipped past Hudobin by Lemieux, but that is as close as the Rangers would get, and the Stars would skate away from this one with a 5-3 win. The Rangers outshot the Stars the whole night, 36-21. Uh, the Stars, you know, finally score on the power play. They go 2-4 for four on the power play, but then 0-3 on the penalty kill. All three of the Rangers' goals coming on the power play. That is not good. That We got to tighten that up. That I couldn't even tell you what was happening there. Some of them were lucky bounces. Other ones were just redirects. There's not much, you know, a goalie can do on those. You know, maybe winning some faceoffs, but they, it was just one of those nights, it seemed. But these stars would improve to 30-18-4 and, and bump up to the second in the Central Division. That gets a victory song. That brings us to the second half of our back-to-back. -back. And again, just like we've been doing all season long, Hudobin starts the first half. Bishop gets the second half, obviously against a tougher opponent here as well. This is actually, we see, you know, just like I was just saying in the last game, Steven Johns out, Roman Polak in. We lose this game. Are they, you know, connected? I'm not going to put the whole loss on Polak. That's for darn sure. But it definitely didn't help. That's all I'm saying. I love Polak. Love, love, my, love my big check. But sometimes it's, he's suspect. And, you know, just as I feared, they get off to an early lead yet again. The second time we have been scored on within the first five minutes. This one actually comes faster than last game. They score a minute and 30 into the game here. It's an easy break-in for the Islanders. 
Eberly does a little chip pass to Beauvillier, who splits the D. I don't know where they were going. Their gap, gap was way too wide. He splits the D and then shelves it on Bishop. He's in good position there, but he elevates it on the backhand. That's a hard one to stop. And the Islanders go up one nothing. And the onslaught doesn't start there. There's, again, a good solid 10 minutes of just grade A chance after grade A chance. Bishop stands tall in the first 10 minutes of this first period. And we are able to kill off two early power plays from the Islanders as well, also thanks to Bishop and the penalty kill. And then we are able to reward Bishop a little bit with a power play goal of our own. We didn't score for our last 14, and now we've scored uh, power play goals in our last two. Dennis Guriana, he keeps on scoring. He scores his 14th of the season with just 5.52 left in the first period. It's really good puck recovery and keep in by, you know, the whole stars there keeping it in. It was sort of a scramble in front. They break it up. It comes to Hints on the side. He passes it to Perry, who's sort of in front of the net. He does a backhand spin a no-look backhand pass to Gurionov, who does a one-timer, sort of just whips it on net, bar down for almost even, like, surprisingly, was able to get over quite far. But, you know, Gurionov just pings it off the bar, bar south, and the Stars are able to sort of run out of that first period where they were getting sorely outplayed with a 1-1 tie. I mean, the shots are 18-8 for the Islanders after the first period. They are lucky that it is only 1-1. The second period, we see things definitely even out. I'm sure Bonus came in there where he kicked a trash can down. I don't, I don't know how he coaches, but that's what I would do after watching that first period. And these stars are able then to, you know, get on top for the first time in this game. Jason Dickinson, and again, just like last game, the line of Dickinson, Como, and Cogliano is really, really starting to be a dangerous line here for us. Uh, they score with just 7.48 left in the second period. It's a takeaway in the D zone by Blake Como, which leads to a three-on-two with the three of them. Como hits the trailer, which is Dickinson, and he snipes it high blocker side on Pralamov to give the Stars a 2-1 lead. Our lead was short-lasted, however, just a minute 26 later, Derek Broussard scores his ninth of the season. It's a turnover on a breakout. They're able to turn the puck over. It's down low to Broussard, who shoots from below the goal line, and it squeaks in past Bishop. This is the second game in a row where we've seen, you know, Hudobin gave up that really easy, the first goal for the Rangers uh, on the first, you know, the first game, and then Bishop gives up this tying goal, uh, you know, to Broussard late uh in the second period in this game. The shots then going into the second and final intermission are 31 to 21 for the Islanders. Again, we're getting outshot really badly, but it was definitely a more even second period. And we come out and John Klingberg scores here in the third period. It's a really good cycle by, you know, some really good veterans. They're able to just keep the puck in the zone, keep the puck in the zone. It's Ben Radulov, very obviously containing in the zone. It's a low to high one-timer on net. And it's one of those ones where Varlamov sort of saves it, but it's sort of at an awkward angle. And he actually deflects it sort of more into the net because it might've gone wide if he hadn't touched it into the net to give the Stars the lead again. They then are able to collapse on Bishop and are seemingly look like they might be able to hold the lead. And then Brock Nelson seemingly scored on a late power play for the Islanders in the game, but the call was then called back on interference. So they are still on the power play after the goal is called back. And Matt Barzell scores on the same power play. Just 3.59 left in the third period. He scores his 18th of the season. 
It's you know another uh, defenseman one timer. It then misses wide, hits the end boards, basically shoots right back out in front. Barzell standing at the side of the net. He then you know just high level of skill, elite talent between the legs is able to put it on net and pass Bishop to tie the game at 3-3. The shots are 39-30 to for the Islanders after regulation. Uh, ben is stoned on the one star's chance in overtime, and then oh, Anthony Beauvillier started it, so Anthony Beauvillier finishes it. He scores his 15th, his second of the night, 2-0-8 left in overtime. It's a horrible, horrible turnover by Pavelski, Bishop moved the puck quickly to him. The other two stars had gone for a change. He was the only one back there. He was, I don't know why Bishop moved it to him so fast. He also could have just chipped it to an area once he was starting to get, you know, pressure from Nelson. Nelson turns it over. He springs Beauvillier on a breakaway, snipes it. Bishop doesn't even flinch. That's how perfect of a placed shot it was. He was still standing up when Beauvillier scored. And the... Stars drop a 4-3 decision in overtime. The shots at the end of the game were 41-31 to for the Islanders. These Stars go 1-3 for three on the power play and 4-5 for five on the penalty kill. Nice to see the power play get us some goals. And, you know, uh, we had five, gave them five opportunities. I'm glad we stopped four of them, to be honest. And the Stars, you know, got a pity point, so I will take it. The Stars are 40 30, 18, and 5. And I think uh, this, I'm not going to count this as a full loss. So, you know, we'll give it a meh. Meh. So now with those two games out of the way, we're going to go down to the more in-depth analysis from a little bit of a different perspective. We've got Andy Hammond from the Broadway Boys New York Rangers Hockey Podcast Network show. Uh, It was a blast talking to him. And I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, take up too much time you know give him a lead up because i think it's a fantastic interview and i hope you guys enjoy so here is andy hammond and welcome everyone this is you know how this goes we ha- we bring someone on we have a brand new guest this is his first time on uh, another hockey podcast network member we've got andy hammond from the broadway boys the new york rangers podcast welcome to a clean skate andy thank you so much for having me i'm uh you know a little embarrassed uh after last night but uh, I'm, I'm happy to come on and try to work through uh some of my feelings from that game so yeah thanks for having me hey of course i, I you know i i won't charge you a therapist fee <laughs> yeah as long as my copay is low that's all i care about I can yeah ten dollars <laughs> that's all so i mean we had a we had a game there uh for for a while i mean obviously the stars pulled pulled away but uh you, you had me scared the the rangers uh, were we're sort of all over us, uh, especially in that first period. So, I mean, just take us through, I mean, your uh, sort of thoughts uh, on the game last night. Well, coming into the game last night, uh, my co-host on the Broadway Boys podcast, James, asked me what I thought, how the game would play out. And I said, honestly, uh, every it seems that every time the Rangers play a team that is uh, well-structured defensively, that they end up, uh, A, losing, and B, it's they, they just have – really they have a problem simplifying their game plan and getting behind the D and you know they're good at running and gunning you know they have some their young guys are developing obviously they picked up some good pieces throughout this rebuild they're kind of going through 
but they can either defend or they can play offense. They, but when they're, they have to try to play both, especially against a team like St. Louis or Dallas, as we saw last night, they, yeah, they make a lot of mistakes and they kind of lose the plot a bit. So yeah, it kind of played out exactly how I thought, you know, obviously they had their, their chances, but you know, no matter what was going on, Dallas was uh, completely poised the whole time. And you really saw in the second period, even, you know, going into that second uh, tie that it just, yeah, it just, they, they slowly, they started pulling away and they just didn't, you know, never took their foot off the uh, accelerator. So, uh, but yeah, kind of honestly played out pretty much exactly how I thought it would given where this Rangers team is at in their development curve. So to be honest, I, I sort of, also got exactly what I was expecting out of the game. The uh, the Stars, you'll notice they were giving up a, a little bit more uh, opportunities. I mean, you guys outshot us the whole game. So we, we were giving up a little bit more. We were still a little shaky in uh, our, our defense, I felt. But I, I figured that, you know, eventually we'd sort of be able to get going and get a move on. And I did feel bad a little bit for not, – not to, not to, you know, like belittle you guys or anything, but I felt bad going into that game because I would say, in my opinion, with the exception of we didn't have Ben Bishop in net, this was probably the first time we've seen like the stars optimum lineup. Like in my head, like the optimum lineup for the most part, other than maybe like line combinations, like, like we had, we dressed everyone we we've been wanting to dress since the, the open, you know, we had Steven Johns finally in there. Roman Pollock finally didn't play a game on defense, <laughs> which was amazing. Um, uh, we had, you know, all our forwards were healthy. Rupe Hintz has been on and off. He was back in it. So I, I sort of felt uh, a little bit interested to see what was going to happen in this one, especially sort of with that we were going into it with such a, like a, like I said, like an optimum lineup that we'd want. Yeah. You know, and like I said, that's uh, whenever the Rangers are on any team's calendar, you know, I'm, I'm obviously pretty happy with where they're at in terms of, like I said, in their development curve, but you know, I think most teams should, it, they should say to themselves, this is a winnable game because this is, you know, this group, obviously they have some offensive firepower, but they struggle with structure. And even though I know you say you thought that Dallas looked a little shaky on D at times, I mean, they protected the house. Well, they allowed a lot of shots, but you know, a lot of it was tertiary to the outside. Whereas the Rangers, you know, consistently, you know, if on the few of the goals, whether it's not make, you know, not clearing, uh, Pavelski from uh, in front of the net on the power play or even Corey Perry coming in for like a nice uh, tap in on the far side of the slot with uh, Greg McKegg, you know, two strides too late trying to lunge and get a stick on stick. It's just, it's been a problem for them all year, just allowing teams to kind of do flybys and into the slot and not protecting the house well enough. So and that's the big thing, you know, they're, they're, it's teams in the NHL are talented now. So sometimes there's not much you can, you can do, especially with score effects if you're down. Or, I mean, if you're leading, you know, trying to hold on to a lead. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, as long as you protect the slot, you know, especially if you have good goaltending and that, you should be all right. And that's exactly what uh, Dallas did. You know, they, at even strength, you know, Rangers really didn't – yeah, they didn't really – you know, they had their chances, but nothing really ticked until they – you know, they, luckily they had, you know, some power play goals. But, yeah, and, you know, they just – credit kudos to Dallas for really doing a good job keeping things to the outside and, uh, like I said, protecting the slot, which the Rangers surely didn't do. Uh, you mentioned there that, that you guys did have a few power play goals. All your goals were on the power play there. Yes. So, I mean, that, that's obviously uh, for the Rangers uh, is a positive takeaway. Are there any other, you know, positive takeaways you had from this game? Um, you know, so James and I have been harping on the fact that our fourth line is uh, terrible and features players that probably should be 
in the AHL. Uh, you know, Brendan Smith is getting paid $5 million to play as a, you know, after playing defense for most of his NHL career to play forward. Um, you have, at, you know, Greg McKegg, who I, th- I thought would be a good pickup from uh, Carolina when they signed him over the summer, but he's pretty much a chicken with his head cut off sometimes. He can skate, but that's really it. He really thinks the game poorly. He makes poor, his decision-making is poor. He's usually finding him. He's chase, he chases the game a lot. And then, yeah, whoever gets saddled with them, you know, we've had, uh, uh, you know, a slew of guys, you know, Leas Anderson, I'm sure most, most of the league is up on him requesting a trade. You know, he was saddled with those two and it was hard for him to create and it kind of soured him on his experience on this team. He gets set down and then, you know, so it's just been a kind of a revolving door of, uh, <laughs> yeah, of real mediocrity on that fourth line. So, but uh, Phil DiGiuseppe got called up from the AHL to replace an injured Chris Kreider. And I thought he acquitted himself well, considering this is one of his first real cups of coffee in the NHL. And yeah, he, he looked, uh, he had some chances. He put the puck on net and he was heavy in on the fourth check. So that was a promising sign. He was actually getting some chances. Uh, I thought Kako and Howden looked dangerous whenever they were in the offensive zone, albeit, you know, I would say with some sheltered uh, zone starts, but yeah, they, uh, I liked what they did. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I thought some of our, D-men, rookie D-men, their decision-making was pretty poor. Uh, you know, Fo- Adam Fox is usually a very heady player. I thought he had a poor night by his standards. Same thing with Tony D'Angelo and Linda Grin is just, you know, especially with a team like Dallas, if you're going to try to hold on to the puck and wait for a seam to open up, you better make sure you're not going to turn it over, you know, and because Dallas is coming back with, uh, you know, three men high. So that's kind of what happened. But so outside of maybe the power play, uh, you know, an AHL call up and uh, some of our rookies being okay. I, I didn't, there wasn't much else for me to like that game. So I, I can't help, but uh, hear, I mean, uh, uh, some of the, the disappointment in your voice. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm curious because the Rangers are, are one of the more fascinating uh, teams just from like a, like a, I don't know, almost like a case study to watch. Uh, just there's like so many different things kind of happening all at once. So sort of looking away from, you know, last night's game and obviously the stars and stars fans don't watch probably a ton of Rangers games. Um, uh, we, we, uh, you know, we only play you guys twice a year. So, uh, I guess I'm interested in your opinion on how the season as a whole has gone, um, from, you know, someone who watches them on a nightly basis. You know, it's funny because we had James and I, you know, in one of our earliest pods this year, we made our predictions for what the year would play out and where we thought they would be at the end. And we literally thought that they would be a close to 500 team that finishes just outside the playoffs. And it's right now it's kind of looking exactly what they will be. So I'm not really too disappointed. Um, yes, I think, you know, optimism with Kaka was high as an 18 year old coming into, you know, getting drafted this summer. And many thought that he was more pro ready from Jack Hughes, but it, it's obviously it's proved for both him and Jack Hughes that, you know, breaking into the NHL at 18 year old is tough. And sometimes we get a little bit blinded by the fact that you'll see a Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Patrick Line, you know, step in kind of seamlessly, although they might have their defensive warts. And I think the biggest thing for Rangers fans, uh, at least on that end is that, you know, just giving, letting Kako kind of grow into his role and he's gotten slowly better throughout the season. He had a nice, uh, you know, on uh, the Howden goal, he takes the initial shot, and put in smart enough to put it low blocker. So it, you know, kind of pops up and Howden gets a glove on it, puts it down and puts it in with his stick. And he's just been getting better and better, especially his play away from the puck and his pace of play has been better. Whereas he's looked 
early in the year, his, his skating has looked a little, uh, you know, he's looked a few strides uh, behind everyone else, but he finally looks like he's more in the flow of play. So that's a promising sign. I mean, Artemi Panarin has been as, you know, everything Rangers fans wanted and more, which is shocking considering our track record of signing over the Hill superstars, you know, when they are already damaged goods and paying them lots of money and it never working out. So, you know, to have him, in top five in NHL scoring right now, considering he's been playing with Ryan Strom and Jesper Foss as his line mates is pretty incredible. When you look at some of the players above him are playing together, whether it's Marshawn and Pasternak or McDavid and Dreisaitl. So yeah, it's been, he's been a revelation for this team and, you know, he's just infectious. He's, you know, the high kicks and Mm -hmm. he clearly loves being here and he's happy he's here and he's playing, he plays with so much joy. So it's like, and as a fan, it just makes me giddy to watch. So yeah. yeah, And the the point gap there between Panarin and anyone else on the Rangers (laughs) is just astounding. Like I actually did like a double take, like I refreshed, like I was, I was doing a little research obviously for, for talking to you. And so I was, I was, I actually hit refresh a couple of times. I was like, there's no one in between him. And like that is like, he is elite. Yeah, you know, I mean, Mika Zibanejad picked up right where he left off. Unfortunately, he missed three weeks with an injury, so he was down for a small period of time. So, you know, I but his points per game since coming back have been right where he almost where he left off last year, where he would be trending for if he had you know prorated if he didn't miss some time, he'd be you know north of seventy points. You know, maybe between seventy and eighty-five points. So, yeah, I mean, he's kind of picked off. But like you said, honestly, it's Panarin and. You know, luckily, you know, their defensemen have really uh, stepped up. You know, Adam Fox was a huge get for this team, you know, even as a, you know, he's third in rookie points behind, for defensemen behind uh, Makar and uh, Quinn Hughes. And he's, you know, slowly gaining ground every day, which is nice. So he might, I don't think he'll usurp, you know, usurp one of those guys, but he's in the conversation. Tony D'Angelo, you know, just scoring again a few moments or at least having a nice assist a few moments ago, he's now up to 41 points. So he's one of the top defensemen in the league. He's in top five in D-man scoring period. So yeah, it's, they've gotten a lot of offense from their back end this year. So, but their forward, you know, the, the, their bottom six forwards and their lack of uh, scoring ability has definitely been a problem, unfortunately, but at least, you know, their elite players are playing elite and their D-men are really doing a lot of heavy lifting. So at least in that regard, I'm happy about that. So, so you actually, you mentioned there, you're talking about your defense and it seems to me, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you, so you mentioned, you're right. Fox and D'Angelo have been just unreal. Uh, I mean, they're both, I mean, relatively young defenders. They're also not terribly big guys just in stature wise. They're both relatively smaller and they're sitting at uh, plus six each. I mean, so I wonder if, though, um, the one guy that I sort of expected to be in that more in like the almost like Tony D'Angelo and him had switched is uh, Truba. Yeah. So I, I wonder if, and I'm so I guess my question to you is, do you feel like the success of Fox and D'Angelo have sort of uh, overshadowed and maybe kept the I don't know if you want to call it disappointment. He's got 23 points, but like the I feel like Truba's been less than advertised when you got him. Yeah, it's tough because I think Jacob Truba right now, or at least for the first part of the season, you know, he's been very hot and cold. There's some games where you really see what what the Rangers thought they were getting and a guy who's nasty and can overpower you and and can still, you know, get on his horse and make a breakout pass and has a booming shot from the point. And, you know, like classic NHL defenseman in the modern era, like type of, you know, every, every NHL team wants that, a steady minute eater. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, 
you know, Winnipeg last year and this Rangers uh, defense are two totally different animals. I think, you know, if you look at Truba's underlying numbers for the last few seasons, what you see is that his defensive impacts maybe weren't so great, but when he's on the ice, his teams tend to shoot like a machine gun. So he's really, honestly, he's been more of a hallmark of, a, of an offense driver for, especially for those Winnipeg teams, but he got to play with some pretty stout defensive partners, you know, over the last few years. So when he was in Winnipeg and now he's had to, yeah, he's had to take over the role. Maybe that he's made, you know, on, in a perfect world, Jacob Truba is your number one right pairing defenseman, but he's playing shotgun to your best left defenseman, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah and now he, mm-hmm. and now he's thrust to be a number one and he's really, I don't, you know, it's maybe a little above his, his head, but at the same time, yeah, it's weird. He's been, like I said, he's been hot and cold. There's games where he looks really motivated and games where he looks like he's, I don't want to say disinterested, but he just looks like he's kind of, yeah, his reads are very strange and he's just kind of floats in front of the slot and he's not very active. He's not moving his feet. And, but a lot of that is he gets paired with Brady Shea. And I think those two really have a hard time when it comes to, despite being friends and playing together in the national development program, they kind of defer to each other too much. Whereas mm-hmm. I think once they've moved Truba to play with some of the rookies and since then, I think he's been much better just because I think it forces him to be more engaged. And when he's more engaged, he plays a little bit more physical. He moves his feet more, but when he's playing with Brady Shea, he just kind of tends to float in front of the slot in his own zone, try to defend it while Shea, who is not known for his hockey IQ, tries to, will make poor decisions in the corners and maybe, you know, disengage from the weird man on man or lack thereof that the Rangers attempt to play in their own zone. So yeah, it can be a real, you know, tire fire. But the last thing I'll say about that is that I, you know, if you look at uh, the usage and the minutes Trouba's eating, it doesn't, it's not lost on me that the, the fact that D'Angelo and uh, Fox are flourishing doesn't have something, someone to do with the fact that a lot of those harder minutes have been eaten up by Jacob Trouba this year, you know, and he struggled, but at the same, you know, I will, I do recognize that it has allowed some favorable matchups for at least those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I guess, I guess, I, I, to be honest, I sort of figured that that is what would happen. I have a buddy who's a huge, he's like from Winnipeg, diehard Jets fan. And he, like, even at like, as long as like three years ago, he has just hated Truba. So, yeah. so all I've heard is just, oh, Jacob Truba sucks. So, so, it, so it, it's hard to hear it unbiased, you know, when, when people talk about it. Yeah. But, um, he, what, probably one of the most fascinating things, though, in my opinion, that's going on with your team right now is what is going on with your goal increase. I mean, you have Georgiev comes in there, looks like he's stolen the starting, starting spot. Lundqvist sort of is, becomes injured. You call up Shesterkin, who people have been screaming out for, like, the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, he is pretty good. And then yeah. Lundqvist comes back and gets his first shutout in two years uh, a couple games ago. So, like, what's going on back there? <laughs> well, I wish I had a better answer for you other than I'm not really quite sure. But, I mean, the, what, the, what I can suss out from the situation is that you have Lundqvist, whose contract expires next year. He's got one more year after this. You have Georgiev, who's really uh, supplanted himself as an apparent, you know, it's the heir apparent to Lundqvist. Uh, but then, you know, you have uh, – Igor Shosturkin, who has everywhere he's gone, whether it be the KHL and then his limited stop in the AHL earlier this year, he's just wins. He just wins and pucks seem to stick to him and he's very calm. And yeah, it's just, it's interesting because now, you know, there's been a lot of uh, smoke, especially with the game going on tonight with uh, 
Georgiev to the Leafs because now with uh, Freddie Anderson going down, they've and also the fact that a he's going to command a lot of money and b he's 29 years old. The Leafs don't really have that goaltender in their system, so there's been kind of smoke around him being made available to them, but for a high price. And teams obviously don't want to pay that. And but the Rangers, at the same time, I think they would like to get if they're going to trade him, they'd like to get something high for him. But at the same time, I think a part of them is they're morbidly curious to see if they can try to make this work through next season when Hank is gone. And then you have a tandem of Georgiev and uh, Shosturkin, which I think at this point, uh, although I, the limited sample sizes for Shosturkin, but it seems that would be the optimum situation. The only thing standing in their way is their, you know, arguably one of their best players in franchise history who still has a year left on his contract. So yeah, they're, it looks like right now they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And history has shown that doesn't really work. But for right now, it seems that's what they're doing. They're trying to make it work. So, you know, it's, it's gonna, it'll either go well in that competition will breed between the three of them and they'll be fighting it out for starts and trying to perform and maybe less focused on, you know, the outside distractions or what happened in, with the Islanders a few years ago where one of them becomes a malcontent and says, I've had enough of this. Like, so who knows at this point, I don't, you know, if I wish I to, I'd pay a lot of money to be, have a bug in Jeff Gordon's phone, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I assume with 10 games left until the trade deadline, we might start hearing some smoke, but yeah, I, at this point, I don't have a better answer other than I have no idea what the heck is going on. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good segue then into the trade deadline. Uh, obviously the, New York Rangers have some players that are on the top of or near the top of everyone's, um, you know, players that will probably be moved at the deadline. So I'd say the Rangers are probably sellers here at the deadline. They're still in their rebuild, um, even though they sort of uh, put like, you know, they inject adrenaline into it with Panarin. But uh, what what do you see happening at the deadline here? I mean, do you you see a very different Rangers team come uh, three weeks? Um. You know, everyone is saying that the players that the Rangers or that the fans don't expect would, might get traded, and I could see that. I could see Brady Shea, if the right offer comes up, being moved. I could see, obviously, Georgiev getting moved if uh, a team is willing to pony up the high price they're asking for him. I can even see a guy like uh, Jesper Faust, who is you know getting older, but still a very good utility, bottom six utility player in this league, and that you can plug him anywhere in your lineup and he kills penalties. Um, but obviously the big, the big one, the big fish is Kreider. You know, uh, I think Elliot Friedman reported that eight teams have informed the Rangers that he's their number one wish for their wish list. Uh, and yeah, I think they're asking a high price for him too. And the funny thing is if you look at Taylor Hall, I think the best thing that happened to the Rangers is Taylor Hall getting traded, you know, a few months ago, cause he wanted out, you know what I mean? That was kind of a favor to him, but Shiro now Ray Shiro has been fired. So if the Rangers somehow get a better haul for Kreider than, the devil's got a hall for hall pun intended um mm-hmm. then, then you know yeah I, I, i'd feel bad to be a new jersey fan and b it just kind of shows you that it's uh jeff gorton seems to really whether it's georgiev or Kreider, he seems really keen to sit on things and let the bidding war just kind of unfurl before making a decision um so you know i, I mean he elliot freeman also reported that Kreider was telling people at the all-star game he doesn't want to be traded and that he likes being a ranger and I believe that, uh, but I don't, I don't see any way in which he doesn't get traded. I mean, unless they're really not blown away by the offers, maybe they'll start talking contract with him. But to my knowledge, they have not started uh, talking any extension talk with his agent. I imagine he gets moved. Uh, Boston is apparently the front runner. You know, he's from 
Boxford, Massachusetts. So local, you know, local kid almost. And yeah, I think there's a lot of smoke around there first and a guy like uh, Trent Frederick, which uh, yeah, you know, maybe he's a, that's the one thing Gorton apparently has said is that he would prefer an NHL ready player to a project who might have high upside, but he still needs to marinate for a while. Cause I think he's looking at the timeline of guys like Zabanajad and Buchnevich and uh, now Panarin who's 28, but you know, 28 can become 32 pretty quickly. So I think he's trying to not be ready to contend now, but I think within the next two years, he wants a team that at least can make some noise in some shape or form. So uh, that's, it seems to be the only rumblings we have so far, but like I said, 10 games or so left till the trade deadline. So I'm sure we'll start, uh, seeing some, uh, some interesting <laughs> tweets and things like that roll out within the coming weeks. And do you see anyone, uh, potentially looking at, you know, uh, Leah Anderson? <laughs> well, that's the other thing I've almost forgot. Leah Anderson has, uh, returned back home to Sweden, uh, after requesting a trade, with the blessing of uh, apparently John Davidson personally got in contact with him and they've, I don't want to say smooth things out because that sounds uh, disingenuous, but they've come to a mutual understanding, whether that's, we're going to do what's best for you to help your trade value. So we can trade you to a place you want, if you would prefer to be somewhere else, or if that's to make inroads to getting your career back on track and eventually coming back to the Rangers. I have no idea. I don't know what Anderson is thinking. But he's playing he I think he is just played his first game for HB seventy one. He said he had a foot injury. Um yeah, and I think I think teams are kind of mixed on what his I think a lot of teams don't see the potential there or they think he lacks the pace to play in the NHL. But I also think there are teams that think that if he he's a prospect that if he can put it together, his uh he I he has a pretty high hockey IQ. He's got some leadership and character abilities and he can be a pretty good playmaker. So I think they think there's something there. So if he does get moved, the return will a probably be pretty low unless the Rangers continue upon this rehabilitation track he's on, or you trade, he gets traded for a player who's in a similar boat of a, you know, a player who's a malcontent, like a Josh Hosang or uh, a Yessi Puyarvi, you know, with obviously with I probably an ad on the Rangers end if that was the case. But, you know, I think for a similar prospect who's maybe unhappy, change of scenery, has some potential, but also has taken a bit of a hit in terms of the luster of them being a higher pick. So, uh, but again, I haven't heard much on that front. I think right now uh, the Rangers' primary objective is to make sure they can try to recoup some of that trade value by having him playing well overseas. So do you think they all get together and have drinks like him, Pugliarvi and Hosang? You think they all, they, ha- they all hang out, <laughs> they text each other, think they're in a group chat together? Uh, yeah, they're probably like, man, you know, I telling each other to avoid the teams they're currently on and just go somewhere else far away. But uh, yeah, you know, listen, I, I, like I touched on with Kako, it's tough to people kind of take for granted that we have so many young superstars that playing in the league is tough, you know, and, Zabanajad was seen as a, a disappointment until he was 23, 24 years old. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, other examples. You know, there's there's plenty of examples of guys who had poor rookie years or, you know, D2 years. Alexander Barkov, it took him a few years, and you know, to really find his game. And now he's a, arguably a top five player in the league. You know, Leon Dreisaitl had skating issues, but once he corrected them, he was, you know, he's now, he's also possibly a top five player in the league. So it's just... Yeah, it's not development curve for these guys are not linear, but at the same time, you know, or even declare if we look at it took how long it took him to finally find his game, you know, he's 20, what, 25, 26 now, but 
yeah, it's just, it's tough. You know, GMs, their hands are tied sometimes. You can only wait so long. So I would imagine all three of those young men would like a fresh start elsewhere, but, you know, try to change the narrative on what their career is. So, yeah. So now uh, I only got a few more for you. So um, what are you looking forward for in the rest of the season? I guess what, like, what is, what is a good end of the year for you? Uh, I guess for me, good end of the year is, and I apologize to my fellow Rangers fans, but uh, they missed the playoffs. Thus they have a a pick at a lottery ball because I think if you're not making noise, there are some very good prospects, especially in the top 10 of this upcoming draft. I, but I do want them to at least be in the hunt because I think it's important for them to feel like they're playing competitive hockey. I mean, if you look at the state of Detroit and our, our buddy, uh, the Clink brothers for the discussion five podcast, it's just, you know, every time I jump on their pod, it's kind of like they're on the, 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 the leather sofa and I'm talking them off the ledge, but cause it's tough, you know, it's look at Buffalo, how the aimless things have been going there. I think it's important that even if this team doesn't make the playoffs, that they feel that they're building towards something and they're getting better every day. Uh, I hope Kako has a stronger second half. It looks like he just might just the way he's, he's uh, playing so far. Uh, yeah. I hope Zimanejad manager really silences any doubt that last year was a fluke and that he is a true number one center in this league. Um, and yeah. And other than that, I think uh, whatever they decide to do with their goaltending, I hope it at least holds and doesn't leave a, a bitter taste in anyone's mouth by the end of it you know whether that's pissing off their best player of the last uh, roughly two decades or you know or even just a young promising rookie who's like what am I waiting around for if I'm ready now so yeah I honestly the way things are going now there's a lot of up and downs there's a lot of headaches but I'm I'm pretty happy with where they're at I can't I can't lie you know they have some ups and downs and disappointments and triumphs and yeah it's all part of getting older right and and, and developing as a team so yeah, a status quo is good with me as long as they don't, you know, barring anything catastrophic, you know, if they trade some key players and their morale dips and their performance dips a bit. But, yeah, right now I'm pretty happy with where they're at, if I'm being honest. Well, I have a good feeling for the Rangers. I, I, I don't have anything to base that on, but I, I just – my gut tells me – my gut tells me the Rangers fans will, will finish happy this season. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny because especially with Zuccarello uh, – you know, joining Dallas last year for their run. I think my one, just try to ask you some questions, but my, my one regret is that he couldn't, I understand why at that price, but uh, it seemed like he had a brief magic, you know, with Dallas. And uh, now obviously with Minnesota being, you know, it's uh, it's the playoffs are looking like a long shot Uh, in terms of free agent pickups for the trade deadline for Dallas. What do you see the stars going in? Who do you see the stars targeting or going in our, what type of player would maybe Zuccarello at a reduced price would be something that interests them considering it seems that after they fired the GM that signed him very quickly, that there might've been some buyer's remorse there. Well, I don't think they're going to get Zuccarello just because he just signed that six year deal with Minnesota. So uh, yeah, the term is long. Yeah. I don't, right. I don't, I don't see them really making any runs at him. Unfortunately, I would love to have him. I mean, like you said, with what sort of just clicked, now, again, we, we will never know if that would have worked into, you know, the regular season. Sometimes, you know, they just that, – that magic clicks for, for, you know, the playoffs or that little run there, and it works really well, and maybe it wouldn't have carried over. Um, I would love to, to at least see to find out. I mean, Lord knows I've been yelling about the stars scoring forever now. <laughs> yeah. um, one week it's there, one week it's not. It's, it's crazy. So anything to help – is honestly what I'm looking for. Um, I don't really see the stars making 
going after anyone huge, uh, especially not anyone with really any high prices. I think, to be honest, the stars brought in Pavelski, Perry, and Sekera, and that was sort of their their moves. I think they yeah. once they, they brought those guys in, I mean, like I said, the the lineup against you guys, with the exception of not having Bishop there, is like the optimized lineup in my head. Maybe you bring in someone, I mean – because Johns wasn't there for a long time. And if Johns can continue to play like he was before he started getting all those really unfortunate injuries, um, the less we have Pollock in the lineup, the better. So he was sort of – when Pollock was playing every night, it was like we obviously need someone like, you know, like a bottom or, or middle, middle of the pack defenseman. Um, but if Johns can step in and do it, then I don't really see why we would waste an a- any assets. No, I absolutely agree. I think especially a team that uh, is, what is the nice way to say this? Seasoned, well-seasoned as the Dallas Stars. You know, I think they they have some good young players and it wouldn't make much sense for them to start, uh, you know, go using assets from their prospect pool or some of their picks, you know, especially with how they look right now. I think they've really, we've seen the style of playoff, you know, that uh, the, the playoffs take in terms of, tightening up defensively and it seems like Dallas is already playing that hockey so from an outsider perspective and someone who doesn't get to watch as much stars games as uh, I would probably like to they seem like they are pretty much poised not to miss a beat once the playoff starts because you know it's seen especially with teams last year like Tampa some of these high octane freewheeling running gun just offensive firepower teams that once it happens they get they just they don't have an answer for the when things tighten up and it just it really you know <laughs> it, it almost fuels. Uh, the uh offense against them so um yeah if i'm if i'm dallas i don't i don't do a thing i think that that sort of that that feeling of being able to not miss a beat going into the playoffs is a a big testament to i think some of the just like the leadership and the core of the stars uh they've all been there for a while like like no one is really like uh counting on them more than themselves that's cliche to say but like they lead by example. And I think, uh, you know, with some of our, our younger guys on the team, um, they're able to sort of feed off that just like very grizzled, let's get here, do our job and get out uh, the mentality. And, and I think Pavelski even added to all that um, really helps people like stay focused. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at he, and I'm not saying it's the only reason, but you look at uh, San Jose this year and there's clear, there's just something I don't want to say, you know, at the risk of sounding corny, like something in the water at the shark tank. It's just without, you know, his presence is definitely lost. And I think if you, like you just alluded to, if you look at how calm Dallas seems this year and how no matter what the score, maybe they go down in a game, it just their mentality doesn't change. How they play doesn't really change. They, they look very, yeah, they definitely don't look as neurotic as I've seen them look in years past and up and down. And I mean, you know, for a young guy, especially like, even albeit as talented as he had Miro Haskin and I'm sure it like it just settles everyone down and just has everyone you know uh yeah sticking to the game plan and god just watching Haskin and like I don't get to watch him that much he is so good he's just he's yes he's it's just he looks like he's been in the league you know for 10 years although he's in a young spry man's body but just just his anticipation just the little things like watching him look at pucks carom off the end boards and, and start moving his feet to get to where it's going to end up as opposed to like trying to cut it off and wait for him and put himself in a bad spot. It just, he does all these little heady things that like are really underappreciated, but his body's always turned up ice first before he does anything. He doesn't turn his back to his play. He's a tremendous skater, obviously. So that helps, but man, he's such a, he's so good. And I mean, 
you know, I wouldn't be the way things are looking right now. It, there's a strong chance he might end up when all said and done being a uh, uh, a better defender than uh, you know uh, his. Uh, I, I don't want to say rival, but uh, you know his rival Swede and Rasmus Dahlin. So he's a, a, a thoroughbred for sure. So it's, it's yeah, it does, he's he's it so much good. Fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so much fun to watch. Uh, I mean, I mean, just like you're saying, it's almost because I feel like, like obviously everyone sort of watches Heiskanen, but like even like when I like go back and watch the highlights and stuff like that, uh, I'll be yelling about like, like I, I obviously have got like uh, a, a big sweetheart for Rupe Hints and um, yeah, uh, and and like those sort of guys. He's so calm back there. You almost like he almost like plays himself out of people's mind it's uh, just how steady he is and for how young he is too he's like yeah. not noticeable but in the best way oh absolutely until, until he is yeah it's just the the consistency especially that age you're you know the one thing you expect is like the ups and the downs and like the games where they look like they're a world beater but he's just very good but on every play and it's yeah. just yeah it's amazing that, especially you know as a as someone who has a soft spot for defensemen anyway, it's just like, yeah, it just, it, it warms my heart to see a kid like that, who you just look at him and you're like this, he's going to be, you know, in the, you know, he's going to win the Norris one day, obviously uh, he's going to be the best defenseman and one of the best defensemen in this league for the next, you know, fifth, 10 to 15 years. So, you know, knock on wood, obviously, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's obviously a, a real gem uh, for you guys. So. Well, I only have one more question for you, and yeah. it's a question that I ask, you know, everyone that has come on the podcast. Um, okay. So you watch the Rangers a lot, obviously. Uh, so maybe there is a player on your team that the media and all of us, you know, reading through stat sheets or highlights don't talk about as much. So the question I ask everyone is, what is one underrated player or, that we're not talking about that, that we should be from the Rangers? Uh, I'm going to have to go with a young gangly six foot two and growing actually thank you six, three now, uh, Czech teenager named Philip Heel, who is currently uh, our second line center. Um, you know, with, when the Rangers started unofficially started the rebuild, they, you know, they traded Derek Stepan, uh, and Auntie Ranta to Arizona for the ninth overall pick, uh, and uh, Tony D'Angelo that was kind of like the unofficial start of the rebuild because they admitted to themselves they had to make some change and you know Leah Sanderson is selected in that with that ninth overall uh, slot so he was kind of seen as the yeah he was seen as like the start of it you know so obviously the high hopes and now we've seen how that soured but at 21 they take uh, Philip Heedle and it was a real surprise to a lot of people and you know but you do some digging and you see he's a teenager playing in, in the Czech extra league against men and he's his numbers aren't eye-popping but his age is eye-popping and the fact that he's so big is eye-popping and the fact that he is putting up respectable numbers period is eye-popping so you're like okay that's interesting and just his development over the last two seasons is that you know his play away with the puck now is it's grow every day he gets so much better away from the puck and when he's on he's just he's all over the ice he's disruptive and he break up, he breaks up plays and he seemingly never gets tired and he's got good hands and he's becoming near impossible to knock off pucks. And he's only, you know, 20 years old and it's, or you're reaching 20, you can't even legally drink yet. And yeah, it's just every, he just gets a little bit better every game. And um, yeah, I just, you know, and I, I can understand because he hit, he was hot coming in. They sent him, he didn't make the team out of camp. I think they were a little upset that he couldn't grab that, uh, 
second line center spot out of training camp, which I think was, you know, I think it's a lot to ask of any young player, much less one who was probably like 19 at the time. But um, he goes to the AHL. Apparently they, they showed him tapes of Crosby's play away from the puck, you know, which, and he comes back and his play away from the puck, which was a weakness of his game is now a borderline strength. He just fuels transition all over the ice. He's disruptive. He always back checks hard he's and yeah he's just uh his confidence is clearly growing in leaps and bounds uh has a goal tonight versus the Leafs off of a nice uh deflection on the side of the net and yeah I'm very high on him uh I can see why with all the noise New York has pulled off over the summer why people tend to forget about him but you know he's a, a very important player for this team I think people uh, severely underrate his upside which I do think he has first line potential one day well, I, uh, I, I always enjoy going and watching the highlights of, of whoever, you know, everyone names. Um, uh, so I went out and watched like Colin Wilson highlights from the Colorado guys. Just, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I look forward to uh, watching the highlights on him because I feel like they're going to be a little bit prettier than uh, Colin Wilson. <laughs> I was going to say, listen, Colin Wilson is a pretty man. He's blonde. He's got great head of hair, but, uh, and Philip Hedel looks like he still needs braces, but, uh, at, in terms of how he looks on the ice, you know, it's funny. I mentioned he was gangly. He sometimes he looks like he's hunched over, but like when he's really standing tall, you're like, oh, he's he's a big kid. This kid's a horse. So, and but he's still skinny. He's just filling out. He's getting stronger every day. So I I think he'll be a bit of a freak in the way of a Chris Kreider, and that he's big, but he's fast and he's uh, moves kind of like a gazelle, and he doesn't really get tired. So, yeah. Uh, I think he'll be a player to watch, you know, going forward. And, uh, you know, just out of curiosity, who is, I know you mentioned your boy Rupe Hints, who I do have a soft spot for, but is there anyone else on Dallas that you think uh, I should tell uh, my fans on the Broadway Boys podcast to, uh, to look out for on uh, Dallas? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Uh, <laughs> DJ for that one. Yeah, uh, Dennis Gurionov, hands down. If it's not Rupa Hints, it's Dennis Gurionov. He scored last night uh, versus we, – we lost in overtime to the Islanders, but he scored on the power play. Uh, he's got 14 goals on the season so far. And we talk about Rupa Hints speed. This kid, I, this might be controversial to say, might be faster than Hints. Like he – I want to see him skate against like Barzell and McDavid fast. It is – wow crazy well yeah that's awesome i'll definitely check him out that uh yeah that's, that sounds very fast so he uh it, he's got a really good highlight versus the leafs just splits the middle and shut like and all like his finish too is barry mcdavid-esque if you watch any mcdavid highlights which it's almost impossible not to right when yeah. mcdavid like gets in tight after he sort of beats the defender he likes to do that like chip shot short side yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah the, exact the, the, same boot like he does the exact same move the exact same finish like like picturesque <laughs> like exactly the same so Dennis Gurionov wow all right I'll, I'll definitely check it out check out the highlights yeah I I can't we, we've got a lot of really like underrated young players that are starting to come up but he's he's the guy to watch for <laughs> well Andy it was a pleasure having you on um I will have to reconnect later in the season but is there anything uh you want to plug say to the fans uh this is you got the floor Oh, uh, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, you, you can uh, follow us at Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, be sure if you're a fan of the stars, I mean, check out our podcast. You know, there are times we will talk about every uh, team in the NHL and just give our general thoughts and feelings. Um, you know, I also, uh, we like to hear on the Hockey Podcast Network, we like to get involved uh, 
you know, in various stuff for our Patreon and crossover episodes, we have a nice mock draft coming up. Uh, so we invite you all to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, you know, Hockey Podcast Network on Patreon. And that should be coming out hopefully sometime by the end of the month. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I thank you so much, Mike, for having me. This is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's like, like I said, after the game last night, it felt like at first it felt like a little bit of uh, just kind of decompressing and, and digesting things. But, you know, it's, it does help me get some perspective that even though, you know, you're, it's when you're comparing your team to a team that look really looks like poised to make some noise in the Stanley Cup final, you at least feel like you're on the right path somehow. So uh, thank you for having me on. I had a blast talking to you. And yeah, hopefully we get to do this again sometime. And there you have it. Uh, we we uh, really just started going, and uh, we we couldn't really stop. I, he, he was great answering all my questions. Uh, he threw some at me. I had a lot of fun doing this one. And I uh, look out. I might be on his podcast uh, sometime here in the next couple weeks, maybe. Just something to look out. I'll let you guys know, you know, if I do end up getting on there. But he will definitely be back on the podcast later in the season so i know this is getting to be a bit of a long one so i'm not going to take too much more time here so uh we don't have any news for this week there was nothing really big going on around the nhl other than you know just nhl hockey going we're in the middle of the season so you know there's not sometimes not always going to be you know big news to talk about or anything but with trade deadline coming up we definitely will coming up here pretty soon and we do have two more stars games for this next episode upcoming we've got another back-to-back we've got the wild at home a little bit of a rematch here hopefully you know the stars can make up for that seven nothing thrumping uh we got the last time we played the wild and then on the second half of that back-to-back at home we take on you know top of the central division the cream of the crop this is a really good measuring test for the stars it's a big big game we play the st louis blues at home and those are the two upcoming games i'm really looking forward to watching them and you know talking about them in the next episode again big thanks to you know andy hammond for coming on like he said if you guys want to follow his podcast on twitter that is at broadway boys pod and that is going to do it again uh follow this podcast on twitter so you guys can vote for this coming week's player profile poll that will be on our twitter at clean skate pod uh be sure to follow the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net as well as all the other awesome podcasts that are on the network um and like he mentioned in the interview uh, we have a patreon look for the hockey podcast network on patreon We'll, you know, have some more Patreon stuff coming up here pretty soon, hopefully. And, uh, you know, I think that is it. As always, everyone, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. And I will talk to you cowpokes in the next one.